You're listening to the Daily Sweat Podcast, where we are all about doing something that makes you sweat every single day. I'm your host, Ariana, a personal trainer, life coach, and passionate advocate for helping you define what a healthy lifestyle looks like to you, and then guiding you in the steps so that you can make that your reality. Today, we are talking all about habit archetypes, a super fun topic that is going to help you learn a little bit more about yourself. So let's get into it, shall we? Friends, welcome to episode five of the Daily Sweat Podcast. Today we are talking all about habit archetypes. This is a really fun topic that I cannot wait to dive into. Now, at the time of recording, it is 6.57 on a Saturday night. Yes, I'm spending my Saturday night podcasting. And you know what? I could not be happier about it. I've been wanting to sit down and record an episode for you all week, and it's been such a crazy week between moving into a new training facility and preparing to move apartments and having my car broken into and just dealing with all the regular day-to-day crap that we have to deal with. And all I could think about was sitting down and setting up my microphone and having word vomit into it. So I'm really excited to be here and to have the opportunity to share this information with you. Now, before we get started, I just want to share one of the reviews that has come up for for the podcast over the last week and a bit. So every week I will be selecting a review to share. And the reason for doing this is to just give you, especially if you're a new listener, an idea of what this podcast is all about and what you can expect and something that gives you that insight that doesn't come from me, that actually comes from somebody else. (laughs) So this week's review comes from Leslie underscore RH. I love Ariana's philosophies on bringing some self-care into your daily routine and her realistic approaches to achieving it. We are all bombarded with information about all of the, the things we ought to do to take good care of ourselves, which can feel overwhelming and impossible to actually do. Ariana has a way of reframing how we think about self-care, offering really practical suggestions to build it into busy schedules, leading to consistent progress towards your wellness goals that you may have previously thought you'd never have time for. Thank you for that awesome review, Leslie, and I'm really happy that the information actually comes across that way because that's what I'm trying to communicate. You know, we tend to overcomplicate health and wellness and exercise and eating healthy and all that crap. And it really doesn't have to be hard. We don't need to have the most wonderfully periodized fitness program or to have the most organic gluten, dairy, sugar, preservative-free diet. You know, sometimes the simple things go the farthest when it comes to taking care of ourselves. And it's my goal to help self-care and just doing things that make you feel good become a normal part of your life. That's what we're all about here. So thank you for taking the time to do that, Leslie. And if you're enjoying the content that you're learning about on the podcast, it really would mean the world to me if you would take a moment to review the podcast on iTunes. And as I said before, it just gives uh, potential listeners an idea of what they can expect when they hop on. So today we are diving into a topic that is super exciting and it is all about how you respond to creating habits. And this came about when I was reading a book called Better Than Before, which is written by Gretchen Rubin. And Gretchen Rubin has written a few books now. Um, Probably the most familiar one is The Happiness Project. 
But Better Than Before is all about habits. And it came about because Gretchen Rubin noticed that some people responded to creating new habits really, really well. And other people really struggled to build new habits into their lives. So she started to do some research and interview people and look at her own life. And she built what she refers to as the four tendencies. And they're four primary ways in which people have a tendency to respond towards habit formation. Now, at some point in the book, I do believe she referred to them as the four habit archetypes, which is why I have archetype in my mind and it just, it works really well for me. So that's what I refer to them as. But this all stemmed from Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies. And she actually has a book now called The Four Tendencies and it's all about these four habit archetypes. And I'm really excited to read it. I haven't uh, gotten into it yet. It just came out in September. So about a month ago, if you're listening to this at the time of recording. And yeah, I think she's been doing a lot of interviews and talking all about it. So This is a really great time of year to start getting into these discussions because I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but it's almost the holidays and soon January is going to be here. And it's the time of year when people go about setting resolutions and goals and intentions and whatever it is you want to call them. So this information can prove really valuable because we all respond to habit formation differently and we may respond differently in different circumstances as well. So if you can arm yourself with a little bit of knowledge about how you specifically, not how other people, but how you respond to habit formation, then you will be much more likely to succeed when you go about trying to make a new fitness habit or to make a change in your diet or to start taking care of yourself in different ways. So that's really why I wanted to share this with you. And plus I did this little exercise with the women in my group coaching program back in the summertime and it was really fun for them to you know share what situations they think they fell into each of the categories in and did they know people who were of different archetypes and all that fun stuff. So before I dive in I do just want to note that Within the book, Better Than Before, uh, Gretchen Rubin does say that people tend to be primarily one of the four archetypes. But in my own experience of coaching a variety of women and men, and from who I have shared this information with, I have found that a lot of people identify with a few of the different archetypes, and it really depends on which situation they're in. So you may find that you are one of the archetypes and you're that one all the time and you don't fall into any of the others. And if you do, that's cool. But you may also find that when it comes to, say, health goals, you are one archetype. And when it comes to having to create habits at work, you're another. And that's cool too. It just shows you that you maybe need to have different strategies depending on the habit that you're trying to form and in what area of your life. So as you're listening to this, I want you to try to think like, which one of these do I resonate with the most? And the first one that we're going to start with is called the upholder. So this group of people, they are the upholders. Upholders respond readily to both inner expectations and outer expectations. And what that means is that they, if somebody tells them that they should form this habit, they will likely do it. It also means that if they decide there's a habit that they want to form, they will also go ahead and just make it. So as the name implies, they uphold their commitments both to themselves and others. 
So an upholder will wake up thinking, what needs to get done today? They want to know what's expected of them. They want to know how they're supposed to meet those expectations. And then they like to go out and meet those expectations. So an upholder is definitely somebody who is a little bit more self-motivated and they can operate without much direction. They likely have no problem meeting deadlines. And they also really like rules. They like to know the rules surrounding a certain expectation and they want to get super, super clear on what those expectations are. So because of these traits, upholders often find it easier than others to form new habits. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean they find it easy, but it means they find it easier than some of the other archetypes that we'll get into today. So I want you to think about this for a moment here now. An upholder responds to both inner and outer expectations. So whether someone is telling them to do something or they've just decided that they want to do it, they're likely going to go out and get it done. Does that sound like you? The upholders are, from what I found, kind of a smaller group. Um, You know, there are fewer people who identify as upholders than of the other three archetypes. As soon as I read this, I was like, oh, hell yes, I am definitely an upholder. (laughs) And, you know, it might sound like, oh, yeah, upholders are great because they can just make habits really, really easily. But there are actually some downfalls that come from being an upholder. And I can tell you about these firsthand. And as an upholder, I do tend to find myself getting quite fixated on the expectation or the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. To the point that I will sometimes go to extreme measures in order to create that habit or achieve that outcome that has been identified for me. And I don't think I need to tell you that sometimes that is not of the healthiest mentality. You know, training for a race, I like throw 150% in it. When it comes to my business, you know, before I used to be willing to sacrifice sleep and took on that I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality that is just so bullshit. But Those were the things that I was just willing to do in order to create those habits. So as an upholder, it is really important for me to find that balance between, you know, doing what I need to do to create this habit that I want to create, but to also make sure that it doesn't negatively impact the other areas of my life. So if you also identify as an upholder, just make sure of the same for yourself. Make sure that your mental and emotional well-being is not being compromised for the sake of creating a new habit within your physical well-being. Or that you're not completely neglecting your physical well-being because you're trying to create a new habit at work. But, you know, if you're an upholder, you likely will find it easier to create a habit than other people. And it's helpful to know if you are an upholder that you are of the minority because it can make you a lot more patient with other people when it comes to them creating their own habits. So that's the upholder. Our next of the four habit archetypes is the questioner. And questioners are awesome. So questioners tend to resist outer expectations and they meet inner expectations. So what this means is that if somebody tells a questioner that they should start this new habit, they're not going to just run off and do it like an upholder might. A questioner is going to want to find out why. 
Whereas our upholders wake up thinking what needs to be done today and they just go and do it, a questioner is going to wake up thinking what needs to be done today and why does it need to be done? They don't just blindly follow the rules. They want to just have an understanding of the reasoning behind the rules. So questioners will run off of logic, curiosity, research, and fairness. And just because they resist outer expectations doesn't mean that they'll never actually come around and do them. They are happy to meet those expectations as long as it makes sense to them. They will decide for themselves whether a particular course of action is good for them. They're not just going to do it because somebody else said so. So they resist doing, you know, when you tell somebody, oh, this is just the way that it is. A questioner is going to be like, no, screw that. I want to find out why and then I'll decide if I want to do it. They don't jive with the whole it's a rule because it's the rule kind of thing. So questioners, because they want to find a lot of information about the why behind the expectation, they tend to be very engaged with this process of habit formation and they like to collect lots of information to help with their decisions. Now, this is both a strength and a weakness. So the strength, obviously, is... You know, if we have a really compelling reason why we are about to go ahead and do something, we tend to be more likely to stick with it. And it's also cool because you'll learn a little bit more about the process and you'll probably pick up lots of information along the way. But this can be a downfall because the questioner may find themselves getting into that feeling of being so overwhelmed with all of the information they've accumulated that they just end up not taking any action at all. Have you ever found yourself in that kind of situation where, you know, maybe you're trying to decide if you should go paleo or go vegan, or if you should start doing bar classes, or if you should train for a half marathon, and you're searching all over Google, reading all of these blogs, being like, which is best? And you have so many different viewpoints and so much conflicting information that you just have no idea what the hell you're supposed to do. Yeah. That can happen for questioners because they become so consumed with trying to figure out why they should do this thing that they may not be able to make a decision at all. Because if you ask 10 people, you're likely going to get 10 different answers. So that is a downfall of being a questioner. But you know, questioners, they're an interesting category because typically if they find the expectation to be valid, they take on the upholder approach. If they've done their research and they've actually been able to come to a conclusion, once they figure out that, yes, this is a habit that I want to take on, they are just gung-ho about it. They're ready to pull out all the stops and they are committed. But if they find that that outer expectation is not really valid and if they're like, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to do that, they tend to take on the tendencies or the characteristics of one of the other archetypes, which we'll get into soon. So if you've identified as a questioner, you know, somebody who likes to have the information from other people before diving in, know that that's a really strong point. It's great to not just follow the crowd and to do things just because people say you should and to make an informed decision for yourself. But just make sure that your quest for more information doesn't completely overwhelm you to the point that you end up making no decision at all. It might be helpful to put a limit on yourself with how many sources you go to before you make your decision or how much time you spend debating things before you just kind of force yourself to just go in and try it and just see what happens. So that's my advice for you if you're a questioner.
But as I said, you know, questioners, if they have deemed that that expectation is not valid, they tend to take on the characteristics of a rebel. And a rebel is a fun one. So rebels resist both outer expectations and inner expectations. So they don't do anything anyone tells them to, even if it's themselves telling themselves to do something. So a rebel will wake up thinking, not what do I need to do today, but what do I want to do today? And I feel like we could all take a page from a rebel's book and give more thought to what we actually want to be doing. Rebels will resist control, as I said, whether it's from somebody else or from themselves. They like to act from a place of choice and freedom. They place really, really high value on authenticity, so doing things that feel good to them and work for them, and on self-determination. And you know what? This is awesome because not only do we need people who don't blindly follow the leader and ask questions, But we also need people like rebels who challenge the status quo and say, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I want to find a new way of doing this. And this is where we get a lot of really great creative ideas and new ways of thinking and being and doing. So our rebels are a funny one because, you know, you may listen to this and think, well, if a rebel doesn't want to do something that somebody else tells them to do, And if they don't want to do something that they tell themselves to do, do they actually do anything? And yes, they do. Um, I actually work with a few rebels and it can be a little bit of a challenge to find a way to help them create new habits in their lives in a way that works for them, but it's definitely possible. So as I said before, you know, rebels really value choice and freedom and What this means is that when a rebel is trying to create a new habit in their life, they need to make it a choice to not, uh, I'm trying to think of a habit that we could use in his example here. Uh, Let's say it's starting to exercise. A rebel would need to begin that new exercise habit, not because they think they have to, or because somebody is telling them to, but because they genuinely want to. And it's really as simple as that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to be totally ready and jazzed up and all that stuff to start a new habit, but it means that you need to infuse some choice into it. So going back to that exercise habit, maybe have a list of different forms of physical activity that excite you and you think would be kind of cool, whether it's going to a circus class or a bar class or going for a walk or a swim or going to an archery studio, which um, would be super cool. And having a list of those different activities and when your physical activity hour rolls around for the day, being like, okay, what do I feel like doing today? Giving yourself the opportunity to wake up and say, What do I want to do today? So it can be a little bit frustrating for people around rebels because if somebody tells a rebel what to do, it's probably going to lead them to do the opposite. And you may have people like that in your life. And you may have even discovered that if you want somebody to do A, you're going to tell them to do B because you know that they're going to go do A just because it's not the one you told them to do. But if we can understand that rebels like to operate from a place of choice, 
giving the rebels in our lives the ability to make choices about what to do next is going to go really, really far. And same thing, if you're a rebel and you've really been struggling to create habits, you know, maybe you've hired a trainer and it didn't because you thought you needed accountability and that didn't work and trying to create guidelines for yourself also didn't work. Just try giving yourself a little bit of choice. Rebels will typically resist habit formation, but they can embrace habit-like behavior if they can tie their actions to choices. So that really is the key there, choice. I can't drill that home enough. I was actually talking to one of the women who I coach about that this morning. And a few, probably about a month ago, she identified as a rebel. And we went through some exercises on how she could fulfill her self-care time because we'd found that setting a goal of journaling X number of times each week didn't work and going for a walk X number of times each week didn't work. And we came to the conclusion that if we could just create a self-care half hour, um, I think we decided on four times a week, she could go to her list of self-care activities and pick which one she felt like doing that day. And that worked really well for her. But today she asked me, she's like, you know, as a rebel, like how do rebels accomplish anything? And I had to remind her, I was like, you know that list of choices that we came up with? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, did that work for you? She was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. It's just all about choices. Simple as that. So if you're finding that you're struggling to build new habits in your life, just see how you can infuse some more choices into it. That's all there is. And finally, our last of the four archetypes are the obligers. So the obligers tend to meet outer expectations, but they will resist inner expectations. They wake up thinking, what must I do today? And they're motivated by external accountability. So I work with a lot of obligers. Obligers are people who do really well when they know there are people who are checking in on them. They may really struggle to go to the gym five times a week on their own. But if they've got a trainer or even just a friend waiting there for them, they are much, much more likely to get up and go. So because of this, obligers are excellent friends, co-workers, family members. They're really great at meeting external deadlines and demands. They will go to great lengths to meet responsibilities. And essentially, if you need to count on somebody, you can count on an obliger because they don't want to let you down. And that's awesome. The thing that is challenging for obligers, though, is to meet the demands and expectations that they place on themselves. And they can find this really frustrating. And this is a sentiment that I hear from a lot of the women who I coach. They say, you know, I have no problem meeting deadlines at work and doing this project and spending all this time and energy on things for my coworkers. But when it comes to doing things for myself, I just can't seem to get my shit together. What is wrong with me? And I'm happy to say that if you're an obliger, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It's just the way that you respond to expectations. And you respond better to expectations from others and you struggle to meet expectations from yourself. And that's okay because the awesome thing is that there's a lot of different ways to build accountability into your life. Whether it is working with a coach or even just simply letting a friend or a family member in on your intentions. Sometimes that's all that it is. 
So if you find yourself in that kind of a situation and maybe you don't want to invest in a personal trainer or a life coach or anything like that, that's fine. It's time to get on the rooftops and shout out what you want to accomplish. If you've identified that you want to start exercising, then tell people. Tell people who you know will hold you accountable to that and make them hold you accountable. Be like, you know what? I need you to call me out on my shit if you find me sitting on the couch every single day this week. I need you to remind me that I told you that this was important to me. Find people who you trust that will do that for you and let them know. Ask for their help because especially, you know, if you're an obliger and you're there doing things for everybody else and you're always helping all the people in your lives, they will be more than happy to support you in achieving your own goals and creating your own habits. As I said before, this kind of information is really helpful because it can stop you from being so damn hard on yourself. You know, if you've been struggling to create a new habit and you've been constantly asking yourself, like, what is wrong with you? And you're berating yourself and all that crap that doesn't serve you. Stop. Because we all respond to different strategies and we create habits differently and we fulfill expectations differently and that's just the nature of being these wonderfully complex and dynamic human beings. So if you have been getting down on yourself because you're not as healthy as you think you should be or you're not as successful as you should be or anything along those lines, just try to be a little bit more gentle on yourself. See if maybe you can approach your situation from a different way. And see if you can find a way of doing it that just feels a little bit better for you and your fabulously unique personality. So that's all I have for you today, friends. As I've said before, you know, I absolutely love hearing from you and hearing your thoughts on these. So if something from today's episode really stuck with you and you're like, oh my God, I am 100% an upholder and I always thought I was an obliger or something like that. Feel free to reach out to me and just let me know what a few of those aha moments were. You can always find me on Instagram at Evolution by Ariana. You can find me on Facebook at Evolution by Ariana. And you can find me on Twitter at Evolution by Ariana. But I'm not going to lie. I really only use Twitter if I need to complain to a company. So um, I'm probably not on there as often as the other two. So I will leave you with that today, friends. It is time for me to get back to my other Saturday evening activities. I hope you all have an amazing day. And as always, thank you for your time and your energy. 